0: Episode six of Origin Point, where we spoke to Shannon Gregg. Hey, Jake. Hey. How was your fortnight?
1: Oh, it wasn't too bad. I uh, it's it's been an interesting week, uh, sleepless week. <laughs> but no, uh, oh. uh, I, I got quite a bit of stuff done in the shop. I got all my orders wrapped up and um, trying to kind of slow down on that. But uh, other than that, just getting things organized at the house, taking care of the the kiddos, um, trying to get into a new swing of things with the, the the new one so um not a whole lot of change <laughs> not as much as i'd like but that's well, okay that happens yeah a little bit of rest and relaxation is always good how about you awesome how, how how was your uh fortnight
0: my fortnight was pretty uh interesting so we we had i completed a lot ben completed a lot we, we got most of our, our projects out of the way that were commission work. I'm working on the mugs for the Feather Forge. If you've seen those on my Instagram feed. Um, kind of taking the learnings that I had with your mug and with Izzy Swan's mug and um, applying that to these smaller mugs. So they're turning out really well. They're drying now. They'll be in the next... Um, in the next kiln batch for Bisque Fire. So that's exciting. I hope to do that Bisque Fire in probably three weeks, have the have enough work in the in the batch for the kiln. Cool. Um other than that, we went to to a forge. I saw that. It was lit. It was so friggin' cool, man. Yeah, dad jokes. <laughs> it was lit. The forge was lit. <laughs> I had such a good time. Uh, I This was a gift from me to Ben because he had wanted to learn how to do forging for quite a while. So we ended up, there's a new forge that, well, it's technically not new. It moved from New York, like upstate New York, down to uh, Johnstown this year. And they offer courses, varying degrees of expertise. So you can not have touched Uh, A hammer ever and gone into class and they teach you the basics of what it takes to move metal which is the class that we took and then they have everything from like hammer making to tool making to um, kitchen utensil creation um, to like actually creating things for your own forge like um, stands and things for your anvil or those kind of things so um, it seems like every every weekend they have at least like something going on there, and they bring people in from around the country to teach that have already established themselves as world-class um, blacksmiths. Cool. So this forge experience was bottle openers. Sounds kind of trite, sounds kind of boring at the end of the day, because you're not making a hammer or anything crazy, but it was... It was really fun to watch Ben be able to do that for his first time, and I really lucked out because the instructor uh, let me actually make one too. So the the class is set up where like the the main instructor and his wife they basically give a demonstration at the very beginning. So it's maybe um, about an hour of demonstration. So they. Put the billet in. They get it molten hot, like this bright orange reddish color. They pull it out. They show you how to punch it. They put it back in for the second heating. They they punch the, all the way through. They stretch the hole and then they they make the the entire piece, which I'll I'll share uh, eventually a video of of Ben doing that uh, and then. They basically set you free. <laughs> like you, you have your own anvil. You have your own forge. That you're you're buddied up with somebody because they have like, they have. Uh, what was it four anvils to a side with um, three forges to a side? So you you have to share some tools and some forges. So yeah. uh, it was <clears throat> it was really incredible. And you know, I think sometimes when you watch youtube videos and you watch people do things and they're editing out maybe a good portion of the time that it takes just to like not make a boring video but i think sometimes you kind of assume that maybe things are easier because of how quickly it seems like they progress through the process so i mean one one piece to get it heated was, like, standing around for, like, 5, 10 minutes waiting it to waiting for it to get hot enough to actually do anything with, and then you have to keep putting it back in. It's, like, it, it only stays hot enough for, like, maybe 30, 40 seconds for you to do what you need to do, and then you got to put it back in to get it hot again.
1: Yeah. That's cool, though. That seems like it was a really fun experience for the both of y'all.
0: Oh, my gosh, yeah. And the, the other great part about it was is that we – Got to go have a tour of the old Smith Smith building that's there. And it has these power hammers that range from a uh, 1,000 pounds to 4,000 pounds.
1: I saw those. Those were huge.
0: Oh, man, it's, it's just incredible. The, the, what he was telling us was that they plan to have two of those operational by the end of next year or the end of this year. Or like this fiscal year for them and then they are going to get the big forge or the big uh power hammer working and the stories are that when that thing was operational if you were in town and it was running you could feel it
1: i believe it isn't isn't that incredible like can you just imagine the
0: force
1: yeah that is crazy yeah, I just I saw yeah. you walk around that thing. I caught a, just a few minutes of your live stream on Instagram, and it was it was ginormous. And I was just like, it's just incredible. And the ceiling, even the ceiling of that place, if you didn't get a chance to see that, like that's incredible too.
0: Yeah, I'll share it. Um, the live stream is probably over by now. Uh, I think it was that last like twenty four hours on Instagram. So I'll edit it into a video and and throw it up on our Slap Stuff Together YouTube so you can experience it if you didn't get to in the live stream but other than that like that was that was our fortnight and our our crazy weekend
1: here (laughs) that's awesome though that was really fun to follow along with well cool well uh heidi who do we have to interview today
0: well we're talking actually unfortunately you weren't able to make it but uh I spoke with a good friend of mine, Shannon Gregg, who is a really interesting individual. She has done everything from cheer coaching to uh, all kinds of crazy stuff, and her story is so incredible, and I, I think everybody will really enjoy her metamorphosis, from coach to uh gym owner to sales person to now uh, running her own business where she got into technology like it's it's super it seems super random but the way that she explains how she like catapulted herself into these little scenarios is, is like it oddly makes sense yeah
1: yeah i was really bummed to get to miss uh the opportunity to get to talk with her but uh let's go ahead and give this episode a listen great
0: All right, Shannon. Well, thank you so much for joining us for Origin Points. And if you weren't already aware what Origin Point is, which I'd be very remiss if you didn't, but for the audience (laughs) who may be new, just tuning in to listen to their favorite Salesforce aficionado and time management guru, Shannon Gregg. Uh, We are basically a podcast all about our namesake, Origin Point. And what we really like to know about is how people have evolved from where they maybe were a doctor to suddenly deciding, I'm just going to quit everything that I've learned to do to this point and I'm going to be a painter or I got out of high school decided not to do college and I found my vocation right away and I've been happy ever since essentially we're talking to run in the mill people who I just keep reinventing themselves and I think in my circle you are the queen
2: of reinvention <laughs> You know, um, I think Madonna is the queen of reinvention. I mean, every
0: 10 years she has to, to keep it legit,
2: right? (laughs) That's what I like to do too. Keep it fresh. Yeah. Fricka,
0: fricka, fresh. (laughs) (laughs) Full disclaimer, I have been friends with Shannon for probably 10 years. I consider her a sister. So these are not going to be hard knocking, scary questions, (laughs) but more of me feeling completely amazed that... Shannon is willing to take the time to talk to us today. Well, Let's get into the questions. Let's go. Every origin point story, we like to do a little icebreaker. And usually it's for either Jake or I who are not familiar with the guests we're talking to and for our audience who maybe is not familiar. And it's a basic icebreaker question that asks you, what's your mode of
2: transportation? Ooh, my mode of transportation mm-hmm. besides a magic carpet. I mean, that's pretty freaking awesome. Why didn't, why didn't I ever know about that? Well, it's a secret. You have to have the magic fairy dust. Uh, uh, really, one of the reasons why I moved to Dormont, which is how I met you, mm-hmm. as you were my next-door neighbor, is because there is a train. And so many people in Pittsburgh are not aware that there is a T. Mm-hmm. So I prefer that. That's my preferred mode of transportation. But primarily, I live in a pedestrian community, so I walk. And occasionally, I drive. Cool. So what's your car? It is a new uh, car to me. For the past 10 years, I've had the same old Nissan. Everybody could see me coming, they knew. Uh, I paid it off the very first month that Halligan was in daycare, Mm -hmm. and uh, after three new transmissions with a lot of CBT troubles, I got myself a used BMW. Don't ask me what kind. I literally have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Your husband would be behind the BMW That is correct. That is correct. He found it for the same price as a newer Nissan, and I said, you know, give me the keys. Where does the the gas
0: go? And here we are. Where does the gas go? (laughs) Can you, for just the sake of everyone out there who's not familiar with you, just kind of describe a little bit about
2: your vocation and what you do for a living currently. Sure. So right now I am a sales productivity and sales operations consultant, primarily focused on how to best use salesforce.com platform to enable their sales process in the way that is efficient and effective for them and i primarily work with companies that are looking to automate their sales process
0: okay so basically you are the technology guru for these big fortune 500 companies
2: that don't know what to do with technology i love technology i love technology and as you know today and probably many other days i'm constantly saying check out this new app that i found <laughs> yeah it's, it's happened to me already like twice today from you <laughs> So I'm always looking for ways that I can be more productive so I can have more time to do the things that I love to do. And I think people should do that in their business lives as well.
0: Awesome. I just want to take it back to the Shannon that I met about 10 years ago. And that Shannon owned a cheerleading gym. True. And you were also a coach and a judge at the time. True. Can you describe to us what it was like to, you went to college uh, as a English lit major. That is also true. And then you were waffling on the idea of whether or not you wanted to do law school. So you did what, a year or Mm -hmm. a semester? Mm -hmm. And then what was the catalyst of, I'm going to be a lawyer to, I'm going to own
2: a cheer gym. How did you get from there to owning a gym? A to B sounds really far when you describe it that way. But, um, you know, the reason I wanted to go to law school, I did mock trial in high school. And mock trial is all about the presentation. Okay. So we really did do exactly that, a trial. And I'll never forget, this was based on a Ronald McDonald's children's house charity and Really, I loved standing in front of everybody who was grading us and giving my big closing (laughs) argument. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to go get a nice pre-professional bachelor's degree that is going to allow me to go into law school so I can just stand in front of these courts and juries and just convince them with my very compelling arguments that my side should win. And then I started law school. And they were like, yes, memorize this. Understand what's precedent setting tell me about this, this particular court case. And I realized nobody wants to go to trial. (laughs) Nobody wants to go to trial. Mm -hmm. You, you literally try to spend your entire career, not going to trial. And that was when I realized law school wasn't for me. Mm. And I found myself as many people with English literature degrees do in sales. So I was working in sales management, sales training, and I, continued to have this passion for cheer and dance, which okay. I had had my whole life. I actually had a minor in dance from Pitt. And so my sister and I, and one of our good friends, Regina, were coaching for a gym that was shutting down. And a lot of parents came to us and said, hey, please, can you open your own program? And that is exactly what we did. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, so I think the drama's there, that that you know urge for performance and being on the stage, that transitioned from my competitive dance career growing up into my desire to stay on the stage in the courts which I found out to be a farce and so I transitioned <laughs> right back to helping other people foster the love for team sports through performance
0: sure it's so interesting because i think the normal consumer in, in you know the day to day they're not they would be in the same position as you when you're thinking oh i want to be a lawyer it seems like it would be all of this, like, you know, <laughs> kind of stuff from TV, right? Like, yes. Oh, okay. The police are going to give me a case and I'm going to be the a- AD and I'm going to go uh, get the bad guy and put them away. Or uh, I'm going to work for a corporation and I'm going to save the corporation tons of money from people that are litigiously chasing us for no reason whatsoever other than to get money. Indeed. So it's like, I could see how it must've been crushing to have worked all four years of college. You went to Mercyhurst, right?
2: Uh, yeah, I did. And then I transferred to Pitt for my junior okay. year.
0: So you, you do four years of college with this end goal in mind. And then you realize, huh, <laughs> what, did I, what did I just invest all of this energy into? It sounds like you're a pretty um, silver linings person. And when you realize this, you realize very quickly and probably fortunately that okay, I'm okay with making a divergent change and it was okay, because you knew that you would land somewhere. But that
2: had to be somewhat disappointing to like reconcile. If I confront those feelings now, I probably was more afraid to tell other people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I was really at peace with the decision myself. I was doing just fine in classes. I just realized this was not the life that I wanted to spend. Yeah, And um, um, what actually had had me transfer from Merciers to Pitt is in between my junior my sophomore and junior year of college um, I developed an aneurysmal bone cyst which was a tumor on my rib and at 19 when you're signing papers for yourself that say yes there is a chance I could die in the surgery man when I came out of it I had this kind of air of invincibility oh okay. yes and so I think what that did for me was give me supreme clarity in not spending time doing things that didn't bring me or somebody else pleasure.
0: Wow. That is that is such an integral thing that I think if if you're a constant listener of our podcast, you'll hear time and time again, people say, I had to make a change. I was turning 30. I was, my company was falling apart because the auto industry was closing and I needed to do what I was passionate for. I think anybody can relate to that who has had the courage Because I think it's not just about like having that epiphany, because a lot of people have the epiphany like, Mm. I hate this place that I'm in right now, but I'm just going to deal because I got to put food on the table, right? But it's the people like you and Adam from Maker Table that we talked about a few weeks ago who decided to abandon everything that his family had created uh, as far as the food industry and take up something that his shop teacher told him he was going to fail at. So it's like, if there's anything that echoes, it's that point
2: of just be courageous. I, I love that. I really do love that. And I think um, courage and resilience are two of the most important things that a person can have. And people, I think, a lot of times think that it's confidence, but I don't think it's confidence. I think it's courage mm-hmm. and then the ability to be resilient. And you hear people say go ahead and fail, but fail fast and learn from your failures. And there is this... That's a very startup term. Oh, it's a really startup term. I agree. Fail and then pivot. Fail and then pivot. And I think when you apply that to your own life, you don't always want to fail and pivot. But I think it's important to be able to say, hey, I have the resilience to bounce back from this and something terrible may have happened, but what can I learn from it? Or what can I take from it? And I think that's hard to do, but it's something that's important to do. Right.
0: Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about the next phase. You as the collective, your your group of friends and your sister who owned the business together decided we did it. We liked it. We don't like it enough to continue. Let's sell. Tell us about that transition.
2: Yes, that was actually a really great time um, for me personally we were really excited. We had been in the black since our first year. And I can tell you that renting a space that is large enough for two cheer floors (laughs) that has ceilings that are high. I mean, that is not inexpensive. So for us to have been able to say, Hey, we understood how to run this business. We were pretty young when we did it. We were really proud of ourselves, but uh, my sister was moving away and that left just me and Regina and we both had day jobs that we truly enjoyed. And Mm. so Again, we were left with this pivot point where we said, hey, do we focus all of our energy and attention on this program, this cheer and dance program that is continuing to grow? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Or do we give it to somebody who can take care of it the way that it needs to be taken care of and focus our energy on our day jobs? Mm -hmm. And about that same time, um, Selena and Regina started having their babies. And so I think it it was glaring in the face. It was like one of those neon lights that's flashing telling you, here's what to do. And we had a really brilliant head coach who was technically very savvy. She was really good at what she was doing. She had the same attention to customer service that we really wanted to provide for our families that were attending our program. And she had owned her own program. So we knew for sure we could hand it off to her in her own capable hands. And today she's got multiple locations and in fact, Selena and I both send our kids there. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it crazy? The yes, circle. It
0: is indeed. The circle. So you haven't quit cheer altogether. You just kind of took a step back from owning a gym. But let's let's talk about this other. This, I'm fascinated because I don't I never che- I was I was the mascot in high school. I love that. I, was, I love that. I knew some cheers and I got put up an amount maybe once or twice for basket toss. (laughs) I love it. Um, but that's, that's my level of knowledge for cheer. So when I met you, I was like mortified, like, Oh, she's, she's into (laughs) cheer. I don't know if we can be friends because I don't know anything about this world. And I don't. I can't like, I can't even bring myself to say that I, I would be interested in it but i actually <laughs> have become very interested in it because you you've taken me along for the journey to like show me what a crazy sport and it really is a sport for sure a crazy sport that it is and that these girls and men are like putting <laughs> their bodies in danger to you know create these awesome tricks and you know just the rhythm that it takes and and everything but i digress after owning the gym you continued to judge cheer. You I think you're pretty much at the highest
2: level you can judge, right? For for US cheer. So, I have been judging cheer and dance competitions since before we sold the gym, and I truly enjoy it. For me, it's just another method of coaching, but instead of coaching athletes, I'm not coaching coaches. Oh, okay. Yes, that's the way I look at it. So, I like to be very consultative, so my score sheets always give advice that I would have wanted to hear when I was a coach. Okay. So it's really easy to give somebody a score of a 7.5. But when somebody says, you know, here are the actionable comments that you can take back to work on with your team. That to me is, you know, my way of continuing to get back to this industry that I have enjoyed for so much of my life. That, that's
0: really great that, that you look at it like that. Because a lot of people could be like, oh, I'm so tired of this. I'm, I'm, I'm so done. And you've just continued to keep giving and you have to go and take courses and, and what are the, like the safety training? I, I, I got to go with you You to Baltimore for safety training. And I got to witness like how that goes down. And so it's a, it's not just like, oh, I have all this previous knowledge and I go and I share my wisdom. It's I'm continuously learning. Oh, for sure. What's required of this sport, and I'm I'm continuously part of it, which I think is compelling. So it it shows a lot about your passion for cheer, but also your your passion for continuing to um, give back to a community. There's not a whole lot of people that find that outside of church,
2: right? Wow, that's a really compelling statement, Heidi. I think I've never thought about it that way, but it it probably is that way. It does become very familial. I think, you know, gyms become like families. Kids and parents spend a lot of time there, they travel together. Coaches begin to see those kids as extensions of their own Mm. family. And so that community is very thick. And I think it's important to recognize that. I don't think anybody is looking at it saying, hey, when a kid's 30 years old, they're going to go to their job interview and somebody's going to say, can you do a standing tuck? Right. <laughs> you know? It's not like that, but, but it's the ability to think quickly on your feet, to act for a team instead sure. of yourself. And those sorts of lessons, they continue on and I've held them very dear. And so every year I say, I'm going to cut back on judging. <laughs> And regardless of how challenging and demanding my day job schedule has been, or my work travel has been, I never really do cut back on judging yeah. because I love it. I love it. And you know, I love the people who are dedicating their lives to it. And I want to be able to provide them with the service that I sometimes felt was lacking.
0: Oh, that's great. That's, that's really great. If we take a look at that point in time, you went to college, decided, change, I'm changing my plan. I'm going to own a gym. I'm going to work full time in sales. And then from there, you sold the gym because you proved your point. I could do this. You decided to continue with your sales career. Now, if you look back on it and you think about all of the things that built you to your sales career, how much do you think that your experience in cheer, owning a gym and everything, helped to
2: mold you into a better service person within your sales team. That is such a salient question because Mm -hmm. I think working with children and their parents is really challenging. It's very demanding and there may be parents who are being really good representatives for their children who are advocating for the children saying they got this new skill. Why aren't they doing this? And as a coach or an owner, you're advocating for the entire team. And so I learned so much about how to manage people and situations that were emotionally charged and Mm -hmm. really challenging. Um, And then when you add on top of it, there would be parents who did not keep their payments up to date. And so you were left with, do I punish the child because the parent hasn't paid? Do I punish the rest of the team now? Because once you take a child out of choreography, it changes the team dynamics. And so the maturity that I gained from learning how to deal with uncomfortable emotional situations by running a cheer and dance program, (laughs) 1000% transition to helping to deal with managing sales teams and managing sales process Mm. for certain.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, if I'm a salesperson, and I own one relationship and someone else is competing for the staff time, behind me is a staff is what makes your sale happen. Yes. If I'm competing with someone else, then I need the inside sales manager to say, Whoa, let's really take a look at the scheduling. Let's really talk this through. When is this actually due? Yes. What's, what's the expectation here? Is it really as urgent as you're saying, or is it, and that's, I think in my career in in graphic arts, it's very similar where it's like, now I'm a project manager and I'm having to look at the needs of multiple clients and say, okay, well, where can we fit this stuff in? Definitely. I didn't have that background. So it was a very tough thing for me to not feel the emotions that happen in a room when there's a contentious salesperson or a contentious client who's saying, I am your priority. And it's, I would say that it took me a couple of years in the field to really get over that. Do you
2: feel like you really just, it was like, oh yeah, this is what we do. (laughs) Well, I think there's, there's nothing more challenging than your top salesperson (laughs) who wants to be priority in the queue when it comes to resourcing, but. Um, I do think once you are dealing with these emotionally charged situations, you can learn to take that concept of servant leadership and advocacy. And I know those are really buzzwords right now, but I do believe when when you're a leader, you, you really are helping to serve the people mm. that you're leading. And so it's not about walking in front of them, but it's about walking beside them and helping to give them the things that they need. And that goes for children that you're coaching parents that you're working with coaches that you're judging and it goes for adults in the workplace as well and so i think a lot of it is just about turning leadership on its side and saying how can i focus on my constituency to help them get what they need Mm. so that we can all reach the outcome that we're focused on together sure that makes absolute sense if we look at where you are now you've got a pretty exciting story
0: recently where through your experience with sales and getting getting to see like how things were prior to maybe the internet being as integral in, in an office environment to now being, you have to have multiple devices and everyone has to have a smartphone and everyone is using this app and this app. And it's no longer about Six Sigma and 5S. You know, those were all buzzwords in the early 2000s. Sure. But now it's about like, how do I keep my productivity where it needs to be, how do I map everything people are working in different parts of the world for the same company, where we used to all sit in cubicles in the same office in the same city and now we're, we're so divergent but you saw a need. And you jumped in headfirst into this world of adoption for technology. Can you kind of talk a little bit about where you are now and how kind of the culmination of everything behind you has led you to where you are?
2: Sure, yes. I know it's a tall order. It is, it is, but um, you know, I had been managing sales operations teams, which included proposals, contracts, inside sales, sales engineers, sales process, (laughs) salesforce.com. And I found that salespeople who understood how to use automation and technology and also how to build the relationships inside of those departments were able to get more done, reach their goals, and, and make their commission if that's what they were most interested in. And I became really invested and super interested in this whole concept. And I also loved the Salesforce platform. I mean, that just was something that I saw as a conduit to helping people do the things they need to do in a really repeatable and scalable way. And I had been managing people in three countries and six cities. And I found that this almost was a universal language. If you ask people, do you wanna be better at your job? by being a little bit more thoughtful about the way you approach it, everyone would say yes. Mm. And so I worked at a couple of companies doing exactly this. And I found that I loved that piece the most, that Mm. piece where I could go in, roll my sleeves up, clean up, help them fix their process so they could be really efficient and great at what they do and do the piece they do best the most of their day, that people started asking me to do it on the side. And that side hustle quickly turned into something that was no longer opportunity knocking on my door, but literally slamming it down. And so I decided to start my own consulting firm and it has been an absolute thrill ride.
0: That's amazing. So would you say like the catalyst wasn't really yourself this time, but the environment around you that was like,
2: Hey Shannon, (laughs) (laughs) we're here. We're not going away. I think so. I think so. And I also think there's so much movement towards automation and technology. You hear people now talking about artificial intelligence and that's just continued automation. I mean, we're really in what is another industrial revolution. And I do think sometimes what had happened, what would have happened in my life had I gone into technology from the start, because I love it so much now Mm. that I think sometimes like, where would I be? But I'm not sure I'd be anywhere different because- Helping lead these horses to water and saying, hey, chill out, relax. Let's look at what you're doing and see see where we could fix your process with more automation and using technology. Man, that is phenomenal. And that same pleasure that I would get in watching a kid who just competed a routine that they worked so hard to get is the same feeling I get when I see an adult, when the lights sort of go off and they say, whoa, okay, I get it now. I see what you were trying to tell me. And this is so much better than what I was doing before. Yeah. Yeah, that's so great because
0: it fulfills two needs for you. It's a monetary transaction, right? Like there's no, there's no cutting that out. No. But it's also fulfilling some kind of passion and need in you to continue to further give back to people. And I think it's, it's heartwarming to think about that no matter what field you end up in, your heart is always in, how do I improve other people's situation?
2: There's not many people that have that heart. You know, (laughs) um, when I was having Halligan, and as you know, well, but your listeners may not all know, I had her later in life. And so somebody said to me, what do you hope she is when she grows up? And I said, you know, I hope she's kind. And and they looked at me and said, well, that's setting the bar pretty low, don't you think? And I Mm. said, I don't I don't actually think it is. I think there's not enough kindness in this world. And, and quite frankly, I don't care what my kid does as long as she's kind. And I think that is, that is probably what's been pervasive through all of these iterations of sure. my reinvention is, you know, how can I help to deliver kindness and just be helpful to other people? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that's probably the longevity of our relationship too. Like how many people can say in their adult life that they've traveled that, length of that portion of time so like I was in my 20s when I met you oh. I did a lot of development in <laughs> my 30s and then I became a mom I feel like you change a lot between those periods of time and so, sure. like still connect with somebody on the same level is is very important so again disclaimer dear dear friends so I have a couple more questions it's really warm in this room and we keep hearing the trolley go by in case you have heard it <laughs>
2: I already warned everybody that's yes. my favorite mode of transportation. Yes.
0: <laughs> So on your list of amazing accomplishments, you've worn many hats. Do you think that there's any accomplishment that stands out for you if you were talking to your 12-year-old self?
2: Ooh, I thought you promised me no hard questions. This isn't that hard. I mean, really. You you go to Disney World every year. (laughs) That is so much fun. That really is. That is is so great. Uh, Judging a competition at Disney that is attended by people from 71 countries, is so heartwarming, you know, watching these kids. I mean, they're really kids interact in a way that their lives otherwise may not have allowed them to interact Sure, pretty amazing. You know, I think for me, when I think about what I would tell my 12 year old self, like, hey, wait until you see this really cool thing that's about to happen to you. And this may sound trite, but wow, becoming a mother was a thing that I never thought I would do. Everybody who knows me before I had Halligan would probably say like, yeah, we never thought she was going to be a mom. I was constantly on planes, traveling all the time. Having a kid didn't necessarily fit into my technology-fueled lifestyle. (laughs) Um, But wow, it's been so much fun. She's taught me so much about slowing down and appreciating things that I may have forgotten to appreciate. And Mm -hmm. so... I think 12-year-old me would probably snub her nose at that, but, you know, 42-year-old me wants to tell her about it anyhow. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: <laughs> That's cool. One last question, and I then we'll, we'll cut to get some cool air blowing sure. through here. With all of your past jobs that you've taken on to get where you are now, what advice would you have for someone that maybe wanted to skip all of the things that you did before and wants to become a consultant for something that they're passionate about?
2: So this is a really great question, and um, I did not plant that question to you, but I wish I would have. (laughs) Okay. You know, I, at one point, and I've been heavily involved in a lot of merger and acquisition activity, that's just really common in the technology space. And I can remember the first time I worked for a company that got acquired, looking at some of the people that I felt were executive level people who were passed over in the integration of the two companies. And at that time, I didn't realize that it's not only about capacity and capability, but it's also about experience. Mm. And so when I thought, well, these people are capable of doing the same thing as the people they're getting passed over for, as I got older, I recognized that there are things that only experience can be the teacher of. So some employee situations, you'll know how to do it better because you've had experience with it. Or when you're dealing with customers, once you've had experience, you know, a little bit better about how to make choices that will make the situation best. Hmm. And so I think what I would tell people who are looking to skip past those experiences is that you can't do it. There's no shortcut. (laughs) And, um, that's probably not the best answer, but there's no easy button for gaining experience and bad experiences are still worthwhile experiences because they're they give you the ability to learn, they give you that platform to say, okay, now I see what I could have done better. Now I understand what the repercussions of making that choice are. And so whether you're managing people, managing clients, trying to sell, running a program, starting your own business, just having the experience gives you the ability to say, I understand where those synapses connect. I know where point A will meet point B because I've done it before. Mm-hmm. And you know, knowledge knowledge is great learning from your experiences is probably the best way to get yourself to be able to help other people. Awesome.
0: Well, thanks so much, Shannon. I appreciate you taking the time.
2: Well, thanks for having me on your podcast. I want to put out there for your listeners and I hope you don't edit this out, but I'm really proud of you for what you're oh. doing because I think this is such a fun concept Thank and you. I think you're adding something that's really unique and different and podcasts are such a cool way to learn and so I just enjoy what you're doing. And I just want to tell you, I'm really proud of you. Thank you.
1: Wow. That was a really interesting interview. I was uh, blown away by Shannon's story.
0: Yeah, I think I, she's a good friend of mine. So it's, it's really hard for me to be unbiased. But I'm always surprised if I sat down and I, I think about her as a person as an individual aside from just a really close personal friend and i i think about all of her accomplishments i'm continually just flabbergasted (laughs) that she was able to do so much and and she's so confident about what she's doing too like oh i could do that and then she just does it and
1: i yeah i mean the way the way she's able to just switch gears and just go full force into something Mm -hmm. and uh, just, it, it's amazing that her capacity for learning a new skill and then implementing it.
0: Yeah, I was really even more impressed talking through it with her because I had my own assumptions about what it would be like to go all the way through your undergrad program and get accepted into law school and get into the programs and then suddenly realize, like, uh, I don't think I want to do this. Like... I didn't even think about worrying about being a disappointment to the people around me or the people that I had, you know, told that this was my journey. I was more thinking that a- as a person, I would have a hard time personally um, looking at myself and going, oh, man, I wasted all this time. And she, she totally didn't do that. She was like, no, I was, I was completely okay with my decision. I was more worried about what other people were going to say.
1: Yeah. It it's definitely it was definitely quite an interesting leap to go from from that and into owning the uh, you know the the gym and things like that and it's just been uh, and now she's into into Salesforce it's just been very interesting to see how she how she develops uh, one particular skill skill set um, mm-hmm. and then just her passion behind it behind each different layer.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's funny because like every time I talk to her, she's she's got this new scheme. <laughs> You know, she's, she's always, she's always on. She's like you in that, in that way where it's like.
1: I was going to say, sound familiar?
0: Uh, yeah, I can't keep up with either of you, uh, but, but it's like, there's, there's always this like, where's the need? How do I, how do I adjust for it? And how do I, um, fill the, fill the space that's needed? And I think you, you do that a lot. And especially with this platform where you're like, oh, we could do and we could do and, and let's do this. And and I see her doing the same things. And I'm like, I'll help you, but slow down. I can't, I'm can't. i still like, I'm still back at like the first idea and you're already on to this, the 27th. So I have to have a journal for both of you now.
1: <laughs> I need to get my own journal. I, I, fe- I fear what that would look like. <laughs> I try to write down my, I try to write down my ideas sometimes and it's just, it goes from one electronic notepad to a real notepad to who knows where. <laughs> and I forget all about them. That's but okay, yeah, though. It, 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 it was really incredible to just hear, uh, the, you know, just how passionate she was about mm-hmm. the, the stuff that she was, she, every, every step of the way, how she got involved in it and then just realizing that, you know, you can keep building. That was, yeah. that was, Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a message that we've had pretty much every episode is that, like, no matter what you try, there's always an opportunity to succeed with it. And you just, you have to mm-hmm. really believe in yourself and have the confidence and shake off any kind of insecurities you have over it. I mean, from Bernie to um, Maker Table to yeah. the rowdy souls that we'll be talking to in a few weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean that's uh, it's one of those things too. Is what a lot of people don't realize. I feel like is that you know those those skill sets complete aren't completely null when you move on to a different subject. Mm. A lot of the times you're able to look at it from a different analytical point of view, and I feel like that's what she does. And that was something that I really enjoyed listening to her on was just you know the fact that you can uh, look at it from a different point of view and build uh, with that background that you have, um, even though it may not be what you're doing now. You have a different perspective on it than somebody else would and that was that was what was most interesting i thought you know it's right. not a lot of people think you switch from doing a to b a is completely void when it's not you know it, it might be a mixture of the two so
0: yeah yeah i think that was that was a, a great takeaway for sure yeah
1: well heidi um you ready to to give your fortnite forecast
0: i guess so <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you went to the forge last week. What's going to happen the next two weeks? I don't
0: know. Weeks? I'm still like, my, my mind is still melted from the forge. <laughs> I, um, well, we did, we did find out today uh, from mancrafting that there is a program happening, or not a program, a challenge going on for forging without a forge. Mm. So we may try and do something for that. Might be kind sounds of like, interesting.
1: Sounds like the, uh, the I might have the right equipment for that, too.
0: I know, right? Well, my <laughs> thought, I could I could always use some more clay tools, so I would love to make my own trimming tools.
1: Hmm. Sounds so. like a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We have like this little railroad uh, tie piece that someone gave us so that we could have a, like, a little mini uh, anvil set up. And cool. So it's enough to, like, be dangerous, but we have to figure out, like, how would we heat the metal? I mean, we could probably make a, a simple coal forge. And this one of these guys from uh, Instagram actually messaged me and said, you know that you can make a coal forge and use corn husks, and they burn as long and as hot as coal.
1: Hmm. I did not know that.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of corn around here. <laughs>
1: It sounds like you might have the the workings of a great plan. Uh, maybe.
0: Hmm. <laughs> How about you, Jake? what do, What do you have on your plate for the next two weeks?
1: Um, not a whole lot actually, which is uh, kind of relieving. Um, uh, we did we did finally get our our travel trailer sold last week, which is pretty exciting. So for right now, it's really just I think we're we're kind of in that mode of trying to get everything lined up and um. We, i don't know if i really want to say anything yet about um us possibly packing up some stuff but we uh we might be pa- packing all of our things here pretty soon we'll see oh, wow. and uh that would mean a new shop which is is thoroughly exciting Yay! but i don't know if that's gonna happen in the next two weeks or if it'll happen uh in a, a month or two we'll kind of see how everything shakes out and then um but other than that i, I think it's just gonna be really just kind of getting in a good routine with a baby my wife's gonna be going back to work here at the beginning of october so i know that we definitely want to kind of get into a good routine with both of the kiddos and figure out you know just how to balance um where to put the 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 two-year-old and get him into a daycare program and then get the get the infant worked out probably with family and that way we're not too worried about the the infant getting watched after little joey and little then, joey yeah how you doing <laughs> that's how that's what I always ask him. I walk up, I'm like I give him the finger guns. I'm like, How you doing
0: <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> but
1: Yeah, so not a whole lot in the forecast. Um I mean I I've got a few shop projects I'd like to tackle, but if I don't get the time to, I'm not too worried about it. My dad's got some stuff cooking, so I'll probably give him a hand with that. I know he's got like a couple little uh shop improvement projects that he's got going on as well, so I'll probably just wind up giving him a hand with that kind of stuff. Um, cause I know he's he's got some stuff that he just wants to get knocked out. It's been on his list for you know twenty years. So (laughs) (laughs) he's a real speed demon when it comes to (laughs) shop projects.
0: I've been meaning to do that. Yeah. Uh.
1: (laughs) So, just takes the right time. That's all.
0: Uh, And the right hope, right?
1: Yeah. Well, my dad, my dad and I have like a joint project that I'm probably actually going to get to work on this this next couple weeks. Um, so my dad's uh, super into clocks, and um, he's in like the, the Houston Clock Club down here. It's called Chapter One Thirty Nine, and um, they they do a lot of cool stuff. In fact, they're going to be at the Maker Fair in October down here at uh, the Houston Maker Fair. Um, and I'll probably be going too as a, just an attendee. I thought about getting a booth to like maybe sell some stuff, but I think I'm just gonna go and attend it. And that's uh, October Fourteenth, Thirteenth, and Fourteenth. Um, down at the George R. Brown here in Houston, and then, uh, but I'll probably just go as an attendee and check it out. And so my dad's into the into the clock thing, and um, he has some really good designs for a pocket watch holder, and we've been wanting to cut them out on the CNC. So I think that I finally got enough time on my hands to uh, put it all together, and that way we can get one nice uh, sheet layout to cut these out with, and then just glue them together. So I think that's the that's the next goal right now is to get that worked up into a uh, a flat sheet so we can mill up some material make it nice and flat with a new planer that we got and then put it on the machine and be able to cut out these pieces to just then glue together and put a finish on and uh, that might be a new pro- uh, like product that I offer in the shop I'm not real sure but I think it'd be really fun because it's a it, it's a cool little it looks like um it looks like just the top portion of the clock like this right here. Mm-hmm. but instead of a clock face it's a pocket watch that hangs in it so i was thinking something like that would be really cool either with a pocket watch or with like a wristwatch. So.
0: yeah that's pretty awesome or you yeah. could do them for like the uh the charging stations for like the iWatch oh, yeah. or whatever i don't know yeah. what apple's watch called
1: yeah uh smart uh, i don't know what the apple watch i think it's just called the apple watch my wife has one uh, <laughs> but i don't know i i've got like, like a gen one um charge HR Fitbit that like it's awful but, <laughs> but it keeps tracking my heart rate and my steps and all that stuff or roughly so but I, I don't it does have what smart, it needs to. yeah I don't even wear it half the time but my wife loves hers so maybe I'll make a couple and have her test drive them but, but yeah that's all I got for my forecast not a whole lot I think I think really just kind of prepping up to go to Maker Fair, and then um oh another cool thing that's happening is the Rockler in spring is going to be hosting Evan and Caitlin on uh, Saturday at noon, they're gonna have like a little meet and greet. Um, It is the 20th, it's in a couple Saturdays, the 29th of this month, that's what it is. The 29th at noon, 29th of September at noon at the Rockler in Spring uh, here in Houston. So uh, I'm hoping to go check that out, maybe stop by and say hi to them.
0: That's awesome. They are so sweet. I we hung out with them last year at New York City Maker Fair. Cool. And yeah. They're just really, really fun couple. They're they're just like they present themselves. Do you have any shout outs for this
1: week? Oh man, um, I my I don't know that I have a whole lot of shout out. I mean, I haven't caught a whole lot of YouTube myself this week. I just being so busy. I did catch uh, Get Hands Dirty. Chris, Mm. she had another guy on there. Uh, His name was Joe. He's from Check It Out with Joe. Uh, I'd recommend going and checking out his uh, channel. But it was really cool. They made like a 3D Connect 4 set that was a travel set. So it was (laughs) really cool. I highly recommend it. I happened to catch that one, and that was really neat. Um, And then the other one I've been watching lately is actually like – it's a really cool, completely different – uh, Skill set, so to speak, but it's a guy who does onboard chip repairs for uh, like MacBooks and things like that. And so he oh. actually like does um, soldered joint connections for motherboard, like integrated components. And it's been really cool. I, I found him. His name is Lewis Rosman, and he um, he's got like 500,000 subscribers, so it's not a small channel. But mm-hmm. he has a very interesting. Um, he has two different types of videos, and so one of them is a. Uh, component level repair that is um, taken from uh, they do a live stream generally of like an hour or two and it's really cool and they chops it down in about 20 minutes or something of that repair and so you can get a real good co- real interesting and good educational experience on different repairs mostly macbook type stuff because uh, he just services all kinds of laptops and electronics and whatnot and it's really cool to just kind of see that even though i don't do a whole lot of onboard soldering and stuff it's neat to see the equipment and the methods and the uh the troubleshooting and stuff like that that Mm -hmm. was really cool and then he has this other set of videos which is just him ranting about like the most controversial topics and it's hilarious (laughs) because he's such an analytical guy it's really funny like he's just such a just like a computer he's such a uh he's he's such a um how would i put it just an analytical thinker is i guess is the best way i can mm-hmm. i can describe it so it's really funny to see how he rants about all kinds of stuff and I, I think one of them i heard that he was about my age so i was like that's really funny that he seems very smart <laughs> or educated but he's about my age he he just like portrays himself as much older but or he seems much older i guess in some of his videos but it, it, it was very interesting to listen to some of his rants about everything from uh how how to raise kids, even though he's like a single bachelor and stuff, and it it, it was really funny. I I like bullying was one of them, and that was a pretty good one. Um, he just has all these weird topics that he rants about, and I really enjoyed <laughs> listening to those. But uh, yeah, so that's probably who I would shout out this week would be those those two, uh, the get get hands dirty and Louis Rosman. So
0: awesome! I'll have to check him out. I, I I've really enjoyed Christina's work up to now, so. Uh, I would definitely encourage people to check her out, too. Yeah. Um, My shout-outs would be to the forge that we were at, which is the Center for Metal Arts. Center for Metal Arts. (laughs) It's in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And it's just a really, really cool historical site. And they bring some great instructors in. So my second shout would be to Jesse Savage and his wife, Carrie Savage, who led the class that we took. And they have, they're actually from Vermont and they have their own forge and everything in Vermont. Mm-hmm. And you can follow them on Instagram. Jesse Savage is like, he's, he's an, a through and through artist and he really pushes the boundaries of what you can do with blacksmithing. So he's, he's kind of a hit in the community. Cool. Yeah.
1: Well, that's awesome. I'll have to go give him a follow over on Instagram.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's like Jesse Savage Blacksmith or something. It's super simple to find. He's got a great mustache.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bernie and uh, Bernie
0: and his good hair.
1: Bernie and his good hair. (laughs) Jesse and he's great. Jesse and a good stash. Nice. That'll wrap it up for this episode of Origin Point. We really appreciate it to all of our listeners out there. And if you'd like to support the show, please check us out on Patreon and or share. just share the show. Uh, see you in Episode 7.